0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Get yeah, yeah. side. East, meets west, baby. Ladies, this must be Come nice. on. That night we were chugging, looking for some loving, looking for a
0: shot in the
1: Let's drive out of control, so yeah, it's rising Baby girl out of this world, she knows she's finding Clip me up down right on the floor and start smiling Walk right up on a date, mind if I slide in Just one look at my chin, she see me shining Take a wild guess, oh yeah, I like rhyming mm-hmm. But tonight, oh baby, I'm fine, time Future and us on the horizon Baby, you're a glamorous France and those massages Waking up Cancun Beach as we reclining Stick with me, baby It's coming in due time That night he was loving
0: Looking for some loving Looking for a shoddy Who her
1: All I need, I guarantee you be feeling my style From your head to your feet You got a hole in your store And I can make it complete Had your heart broken bad By the lies and deceit now you running from the love with nowhere to retreat And you put your mind at peace, baby, come slide with me I know you tired of the winters, you can roll with the winner is where I'm going, baby, girl It's all about summer, in love, up every store Cause I'm bringing the numbers Ain't nobody else in Jerry's going to give you these wonders What you looking lost for, I ain't waiting forever tryna fix up your life, you know, clear up the weather What you thinking about, Shady? cause I know that it's clever And if you telling me it's no, baby Girl, up. That night we
0: were looking for some loving, looking for shot in
1: Talking that I run a nice game on every woman I cross All the holes on my jock by the way that I floss Take them home at night, in the morning I toss Choddy's looking for a call, but the number I lost All races then sizes, I be loving them all Long hair, short hair, I be dovin' them all Pretty boy, nice body, I be foolin' them all That
0: night he for mad at her eyes.
2: joining us. This is Robinda, your host of MZN Indy Radio. also want to thank anybody listening that's been uh, patiently waiting while we have these technical issues with our BTR today. And um, just want to let you know we have everything taken care of now, so we should have no more interruptions. Now, we have a great guest today, and I am so happy to have her. met this young lady in Atlanta at an awards um, show, um, the International DJ Awards show that I told you all about. And she's a very beautiful woman that's very talented, Miss Tiffany Cherie Price. She's an artist, an entertainer, a writer, an actress and a producer. And I picked up her book, I'm Strong Enough, which was a very intriguing book and she spoke a lot of her personal life in here and she was talking about a lot of the tragedy and, and a lot of the situations she experienced, you know, in her young life and for her to come out and write about it and to turn everything around, make it a successful life for herself, she is just a dynamo. So I want to introduce her to you now so she can tell us all about herself. Tiffany, are you on the line with us? I
3: am. How are you doing?
2: Hi, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are so so happy to have you.
3: Oh, thanks for having me.
2: Well, let's start by just um, – Going into you know the struggles that you went through in your life, what made you want to write a book about it?
3: Um, I think it was more to uplift and inspire others. Uh, I've seen a lot at a very young age, and I went through a lot of things that I think a lot of other people could relate to. Um, so I felt with coming out, you know, in the beginning I used to be embarrassed and I used to bury a lot of those things, but I realized once opening up about them. Um, that it just made it better for me to be able to not only get that monkey off my back but to be able to uh, help other p- people along the way.
2: Well, and I agree with that because a lot of times there's, you know, so many stories out there that haven't been told that can help people who are experiencing that now. Now, I understand that you, you previously lived when you were younger with your parents and uh, your brothers and sisters. And things were okay and you know for a little while and then you had some some things happening domestically with your father and yes. did you want to talk about that you know what what were the things that that, you know you would say brought you to wanting to tell your story
3: I, I think the biggest thing you know I was I was raised in a, in a great household um, as a normal you know African American would say you have you have your mom your dad your four sisters and brothers um but and we were Jehovah's Witness. We came up as Jehovah's Witness. And outside of all of that at night it was like if my dad went out to drink when he came in, he would be very abusive, uh, to my mom. And and one of the biggest so there's a lot of times that you know, even in my head now, I hear screams, and and my mom was so beautiful, and, and, you know, the next day, I would see her with black eyes, and she would have shades on, and she would never say anything bad or negative about my dad, but it made me sad to see, you know, such a, a beautiful woman and have these black and blue marks when, you know, in fact, she took care of her children, and she was a housewife. She wasn't running the streets, and and, and so for me, I, I think the the last incident where he brutally gun beat her and, and broke her ribs and fractured her skull, you know, was a, a, a stepping point for me to see as as a woman that I didn't want to be that weak. And and what I mean by that is there were uh, plenty of times that she could have actually left him, as I would say, um, and, and she didn't prior to, to this incident. And um, although I see her as being uh, tremendously strong when it came to her children and the love for her children and doing whatever she could to keep the family together because she didn't have a family, I, I started understanding that as I, as I got older. Uh, but, I, I mean, some of the things that I, I saw far as the abuse, it just made me realize and, and wanted to just speak to other, you know, women or any other domestic violence victims you know that you have to kind of stop it and put your foot down early on. Um, it's not tolerable to me at all. You know, with the hitting and I mean to go to those extents of of beating her with a gun. You know, us as women, we you know you can't beat a man. You just say that. So the hand alone is is one thing, but to go to those levels of of beating someone with a gun, I, I kind of was resenting him for a while. Although we have a a good relationship um I kind of resented him because it's like wow you could have you know taken my mom out like and and to just have those visions um those visions stayed with me for a really long time um and I think it molded my mom into the person she ended up being um, um now which is schizophrenic so I I feel like he kind of took a lot of things away from me you know she was such a beautiful mom and you know from that to once you know she finally left him and they finally separated I'll say because she never physically left him she's still married to him even to this day um but they've been you know legally separated for years now over decades um but that you know it just kind of sat with with me with from within and um it just made me realize so many different things um as a woman as to what I would tolerate in a relationship um, and how a man can actually bring you down um because now she's schizophrenic um uh, after you know their separation uh she we, you know we ended up I watched my home get burned down, my sister burned her home down to the ground. we moved into a shelter uh, from the shelter we moved into the project um at that time, my father decided to take the boys from my mom and and give her a chance to get herself together. Uh, being at the state wouldn't allow them to be together anymore, uh, so we went with mom, and the boys went with dad. So we had two separate lives at that point. Uh, they were with biological parents. My mom ended up meeting uh, some people where we finally ended up moving into, and they started getting high together. And the house got you know padlocked, and I ended up you know being abandoned. My mom took me out here to a her neighbor's house, and I didn't see it for four years later. So, all those wow. experiences have been happened to live in you know in a foster home at the age of, of twelve. You know, you kind of know your family. You know, I, I used to get people all the time say, well, hey, well, you know, when I appeared on Fox TV and all these, you know, different shows, they want to know, well, you know, what is the difference with you and, and let's say, Keisha Cole? And the difference is, you know, that I always say is Keisha Cole um, wasn't with her parents at a very young age, which is three. So you really don't, not say that she didn't miss them um, just as much as as I did and want and didn't long to have her parents. But it's kind of different when you come up in a household with your sisters and brothers and you know who everyone is and, you, you know, you know your family, you know, inside and out. We were very close in the family. And to have all that stripped away and move into a household where people look completely different from you. It, you know, as you see me, I'm, I'm very light, long hair, and, and and my parents were, uh foster parents were very dark, southern, um, uh, curly kids, so it it was uncomfortable for me. Um, to even have people come in and represent me because I didn't want uh, the kids to tease me at school, to, to be able to say, well, who is that, because there were no similarities. So so there was just a lot of different things that I, I ended up having uh, to face. And, and then after I went through those phases and my dad ended up rescuing me four years later from uh, the foster home, you know, then you you start longing for love, and you start looking for love in all the wrong places, and I end up um, being raised with the, the, you know, having my little t- my crush on um, someone I knew since grammar school, and allowing him to take my virginity because I felt that's where um, my love was. Sixteen years old, I end up pregnant in my tube, and I almost died. I, the the baby almost erupted and in my tube. So there was a lot of uh, different things that that I like to share in the book that most people won't share about their life. And for me it's you know with being able to tell that story of having a a, a tubal pregnancy was um to be able to talk to teenage girls and, and let them know that you know if you're looking for love and you, you know you don't have to do it in a sexual manner. You know, it was irresponsible of me. You know, I I had sex. I could have lost my life. You know, there wasn't HIV and AIDS out um, being discussed at that time, but there was still was syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, uh, herpes, all those things, thank God, that, you know, didn't cross my path, but I subject uh, myself to those things. So, you know, I, I just try to talk and uplift, you know, teenagers and, and really just inspire them and, and allow them to see my situations and me going through uh, watching my mom get brutally gun beating, watching my house burn to the ground, losing everything, uh, being put in a foster home, uh, going through a teenage pregnancy where it was a choice of me or the child, and um, you know I'm still here. And then happening, then we go to the next levels of life where I, I become a, a Bonnie and Clyde relationship where I'm thinking someone loves me and they have me picking up drugs. Uh, bagging up drugs, um, carrying monies and, uh, just doing all these negative things, um, just searching for love, you know, in all the wrong places, um, that had me doing negative things that I, I wouldn't have done, um, had I, I truly had that family support.
2: And you know, um, there's a lot of that happening and, you know, with a lot of young girls right now. And, um, so your story is something that's memorable. However, right now, it's not as unique because it, it seems to be an ongoing issue with people, you know, um, caught up in that type of, of lifestyle or caught up in, in that situation. I mean, the economy the way it is and, you know, us as African Americans, you know, not having that much available to us where we are educated on how to get it. You know, those things play a big factor in how we live our lives, and people just don't understand that. So, I mean, but for you to come out and just pull things from your life like that, I think that was a beautiful thing for you to do to share with these young girls because they need your voice. Yeah,
3: they, really they do. Um, and I, I, I would say definitely. And I, and I think it's always a temptation. There, is what people don't realize is. Every time you get to the level where you feel like you're succeeding at something, there's always something else that seems like it's, it's blocking you, and especially us, again, as African-Americans. Um, I'm also uh, an African-American who solely owned a hospital gift shop up in New Jersey, and um, I've had the gift shop for three years prior to me selling it. And what I mean, when you go back into those levels of obstacles, um, at a young age I wasn't taught um, the um, proper credit, and 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 how credit can take you to the le- the next level. Or well, again, when you're in the streets and and you're doing things negatively, it's all about cash, cash, cash. You're never able to sit down. By the time I got in to sit down, um, to discuss uh my finances, um, I had a 430 credit score. I didn't know what that was. I had a bunch of I never had credit a day in my life so that still was considered bad credit. But then I had a couple of medical bills on my credit and and things that were holding me back from being able to get business loans. So all of those things um, play a part with you thinking negatively um, to be able to say, well, you you always know somebody who has the quick money to say, hey, I need investment dollars because you're trying to do things the right way and the bank is not going to give it to me because I don't have a 620 credit score. And I had no idea because I never attended college. I had no idea uh, that I would need a degree to go to these levels or to even get a a certain job. Right now they have it where to even get a certain type of job, just a a basic uh, banking job, they want you to have a four-year degree for a $12 Mm an hour job. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that played against me. being able to show people, regardless of whatever it is, I'm I'm not a college uh, educate. I don't have a degree yet. I wrote my first novel. Um, I published, under my own publishing company, my first novel. And I'm not telling people not to go to college. Um, That's not what I'm I'm saying. I, I wish now that I would have, but at the time, the people that I was staying with was more concerned about me helping pay their bills than me getting a college education. It wasn't stressed to me the importance of a college education as to what I stress to people now. Um to me it's very important to get a college education. Um and I even look now, I've been looking at taking college courses just to be able to get that under my belt. It's just a a different level of respect when you talk about credit, you talk about now I'm up at close to seven hundred credit score but I ha- as an adult, I had to sit down with bankers and I had to go through the process and understand a process, something that I felt like I should have learned at home, something that I felt like I should have learned as, as a teenager coming up, the importance. But. If our parents don't have the knowledge to be able to give us, um, how are they going to be able to give us to take us to the next level? The reality of it is, uh, Caucasians are, are nine times out of ten, um, their parents already have CDs set up for them. They already have their bank accounts at a very young age. So by the time they're coming out and going into college, they have bank accounts and they have a CD set aside for them. Stuff that we just don't, you know, we just don't do. And stuff that our parents have not done for us.
2: And you know that that is right because it does not happen. And a lot of times it's because they don't know these things to teach the children. A lot of times, exactly. you know, they don't have. They feel like the you know, extra money? The point where We're broke. We're, what, what are we worried about credit for? Because we don't, we can't right. get credit. Cause we, you know, if you don't understand it, it's just. It's a lot of things about life and the financial future that if we had more programs. That go into the households and teach people instead exactly. of and already know it. You know, it's like exactly you're a child how to use the toilet. Don't you have to teach that child to go to the toilet? You exactly, know, you get out of diapers? So you got to do the same with everybody it- else and with every part of life.
3: Exactly, and I'll tell you, it it, it truly broke my heart. When it was time to renew my three-year lease, I decided not to renew the lease at the hospital gift shop because it was too much of a struggle for me. I was working harder. Um, I I was working at Mercedes-Benz and taking the monies from Mercedes-Benz and funneling it into the store just to keep it afloat. Although the store was doing well, it wasn't doing well enough. I needed that investment dollar, and that 624 wasn't coming quick enough. So you know, for me now, now it's it's like starting back all over again. Um, now you have the score. Now and now it's a matter of okay, can I approve it? Now you don't have the business anymore. So now they say your collateral was the business. You have the business. We can give you the money for the business, but now you have to go through a whole process of submitting for grants and and loans for a startup as opposed to it already being started had you had the score, you know, prior to jumping in those situations. So there's a lot of things that I pretty much had to teach myself and learn along the way and and get knowledge that now I try to give that knowledge to others. You know, if you can, even right now, you're 18 and over, run your credit score. See what's on there. Don't make half payments. It's something small like a medical bill, 150 bucks, or a Verizon bill for 500 Take responsibility and pay it in full. You know, when you pay it in full, that looks good to other creditors. Okay, you did. It made it to your report, but you took responsibility. Once you pay it off in full, they end up deleting it off your credit. Um, even with it showing page your scores are going up. If you pay, um, I didn't realize. Until sitting down with my banker, if you pay uh, a partial of it, let's say if it's 500 and you pay 200, guess what? Your score is not going to go up, and it's going to show you did not take responsibility for your credit. You didn't take responsibility and pay it because you paid a partial. So now it's on your credit as, oh basically, you did a settlement. Any bill you have, what I did was, I looked at my credit report, and I just took a check. if, if, if whatever I could start with, if, if this was, uh, this bill here was three hundred bucks. I would call the creditor, pay the $300, only called when I had it, ask them to fax me a copy. I then faxed it to the, the credit because once you pay it, you still have to be able to follow through. You know, that that's the biggest thing is being able to now call these TransUnion Experian Equifax and say, hey, I need this to come off my report, or if not, I need you to update it. And, and this is where, you know, we don't do. You know, I, I would just say to anybody, if you're looking to open any type of business, um, clinic is needed. You know, for, for me, I was just blessed, uh, to have the street smarts as well as to have that business savvy and that go, uh, get a mentality that I've always had that I've always been, been taught is, I'm turned down for doing something, I'll do the research for three months. I, believe it or not, I reached out to a few publishers about publishing my book, and, and people were kind of giving me the runaround. I was like, you know what, how to publish a book. I just Googled it. I published it on my own. I I went through uh, ten different companies um, for sample books because I knew exactly what I was looking for, the quality of the book that I wanted. And I said, if I'm going to put something out, I want my book to look just as if someone major published it. And you see the the result, Ravenna, uh, from my book because you you actually did get a copy.
2: Yes, you did a great job on that, and and I yeah. commend you for that too, because a lot of people wait around for somebody corporate to come and tell them what to do and how to help. I mean, we've had the internet for how long? What, over twenty years now. Yeah. And everything you need to know about how to do whatever is on the internet.
0: So all you have to exactly. Do, I mean,
2: even for college education. You, I'm not saying now go to college either. But if there's a chance that you don't have the money or you can't get the financing to go to college, then you can still educate yourself on the Internet because all the resources are still there, you know, right. as, as well as the, the, the public library. So you can educate yourself without having to just go without anything. So a lot of people probably don't even realize that.
3: Exactly. Exactly that I, I mean one of one of my biggest things is I'm, I'm always looking for knowledge I'm always listening um I'm always looking for knowledge to be able to go to the next level if it's something that I don't know you know i I figure it out you know i'm I'm not going to have someone tell me no, I'm not going to say well, because I'm not a publisher, oh yes I am, I'm a publisher now. um I just published my first novel. it's quality, you know and 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 thats and it's my story, and I'm able to share it and I didn't realize uh to be honest with you i this book was so uh inspirational to me. You know, um, there was a, it, it was funny because I had a lot of family members calling me up. You know, you see some of the slogans on the back of my book um, where, you know, why do you have to um, bring up the past? Why can't you just leave the past in the past? Well, people didn't realize it. The past affected me. It, it affected the person that I am. It affected the way I view men, you know, it it, it to the, the point where I have no tolerance at all. Don't even raise your voice at me. Don't even act like you want to jump toward me because it automatically puts you in a violent state of mind because you're looking at it as I'm going to protect me um, before you harm me. And that's really a a bad way of thinking. You know, people aren't out to, you know, physically hurt you. You do have some men that are abusive, but I I just have those experiences and the things that I've seen, even drugs. I've never drank. I've never done drugs a day of my life. I go around my brother's and they're like, oh, here comes Miss Bougie. But they didn't have to see my mom. They didn't have to walk across the hallway and see my mom sitting at a table with, you know, the pipe up to her mouth uh, and, and that smell that I'll never seem to forget, even if she lit incense. They weren't there to mm-hmm. see that stuff. So I seen a beautiful woman. I seen a strong woman who loved her kids unconditionally come down because of trying a drug that she had never even tried before, just following neighbors. I've seen my father be extremely violent when he drank. Therefore, I don't want to date someone that drinks. That's just my right. preference. I don't want to drink. It's not that I'm bougie. I've seen things in people with doing drugs as well as alcohol to change their character as a person. And I don't want to ever change who I am. I don't want to ever have my children embarrassed about the person that I am. So whatever it is that I do, it's because it's a reflection of how I want my children to look at me.
2: Now, that, that is wonderful, and I think a lot of women should feel that way because of the fact that your kids see everything that's happened to you, and it replicates itself in their minds, and it could possibly go into their lifestyle, whether they take, you know, the the, the position of the, the abuser or the one getting abused, and I've seen it happen myself. In fact, um, a lot of things that you've experienced, you know, um, I, and the things that you did with yourself to make it better, I, I have pretty much the same type of life, and, right. you know, I myself do not like to be around alcoholic people. Like, I can drink mm-hmm. without passing out and cussing people out and fighting and, you know, doing really crazy things and being violent, and, and to just to be around somebody who's... Who's going to do that is just not my cup of tea. And we right. as women have the right to make a choice of who we want to be with and who we don't want to be with.
3: Yeah, so yeah, like we do.
2: Bougie you need to just go somewhere with that because yeah, you're you're hey, I think I'm to far from bougie.
3: Yeah, I I think I'm far from um bougie. It's so funny. Uh, I I had a young lady, um, I went to a football game, and uh, as soon as I walk in, I'm with another young lady, and there were these two sisters, and they were sitting there, and of course, you know, we're dressed, low hairs done low stilettos, and immediately we're we're talking to, you know, I'm talking to one of the young ladies, and the sister nudges her and says, you know, why are you talking to her? You know, she's bougie, Um, just from looking at me from the look and since. By the time our conversation was over, I asked them, hey, do you, you know, you guys read or whatever? I just, um, I'm gonna bring you a book next week or whatever. They said, okay, I bring them the book and, you know, they read the book and in the following week I go, this is the third week now I go, and the sister who nursed and said, huh, she's bougie, as soon as she seen me, she was in such excitement. She said, oh my gosh, you're so ghetto, you're one of us. And I'm like, excuse me? And she was like, You know what? You never judge a book by its cover. She said, I am so sorry. When I first saw you, she said, I would have never thought you grew up in a ghetto. I would have never thought you would have sold a drug. I would have never thought I would have even heard you curse, but you cursed in a book. Mm -hmm. I said, wow, it was so funny to see that someone can look at you and see an image and not realize that that image and that walk that you walked was a tough one. Right. You know, image is, is everything, but it, it, it's like you want my glory, but you have no idea or you don't understand the story. And in the story behind me, um, to be a child and have to be displaced and, you know, have to grow up, you know, in a foster home and be taken away, I was devastated as a child. To know my sisters and brothers and I walk in the house with nine other people and I'm looking around at these people like they crazy and nobody looks like me. For the first week, I didn't even talk. I was looking at people. They thought I was crazy because I didn't know whether they, you know, you hear all these horror stories. I didn't know whether they were going to molest me. I didn't know what they were going to do. Thank God I had, you know, foster parents that introduced me to church because I had never, again, I was Jehovah's Jehovah Witness, so I never went to a church a day of my life until I went to the foster home. So they were able to introduce me to that, and they were just extremely loving. She was only able to have one daughter of her own, and and so I became that that child, you know, and, and also that helper because I was the only teenager that she had. All the children she had were extremely little. So it was just for me to go through that experience, and actually I hear a lot of horror stories about foster uh, children, and that's why I do have the I'm Strong Enough Foundation. Which caters to, uh, uh, foster children and victims of domestic violence, uh, is because everyone doesn't have it as, as, as good as I did. Although I, I missed my parents, eventually I ended up getting over it. You know, I, I ended up, uh, accepting the fact that I, I was gonna live with these people that I didn't know. And, and, you know, you can never fully get over it, but you, you just have to learn to live, you know? And, and you can't That's let right. your circumstances and things that you went through Determine who you're going to be. And, and I think that was the wow. biggest thing for me, um, was, was not allowing my circumstances uh, to determine uh, who I was going to be as a person. Yeah, I didn't go to college, uh, but how many people can actually say that didn't go to college, that they were able to own a hospital gift shop solely with their own investment dollars and didn't have any money, you know, of support from anyone? And and you hear mm-hmm. about all these grants and these uh, all women's business grants and all Anything you could think the of, I tried. And it didn't work. Right. Yeah. I, I tried and it didn't work. It still came back to, Hey, small business all but you can you need at least a six twenty so all of those things, um, you know, uh, comes to play when when you're going after certain things. So that's why it is so important for me to try to mentor uh, other teenagers and try to mentor, you know, women at you know at the age of 18 to run your credit report, see what's there, try to keep it up, get small credit cards to start you out, you know, even those $300 cards to start you out because that longevity, the history, after two years with them upping and upping you and you're, you're paying even if you don't use them. You can't get them and not pay them. You have to get them and at least be 35% under, you know, whatever that balance is, is, is going to be. And normally what I do is my credit cards, how my credit went up pretty quick was, I just pay it off in full. I only use my credit cards just to rent cars. And as soon as, and I had the money to rent them, but I would rent with the credit card, and then I would just pay it off in full. Final week, hey, what's my bill? It, it already posted. Just pay it off in full. So by the time, you're not hit with any interest rates. So, so there's just a lot of, of, of things that I, you know, had to learn, or, you know, on my own because, again, my, my foster mother was into children. So those things as far as business, and she didn't know any of that stuff, you know. So she right. couldn't, she you know, she couldn't home, teach me that giver, stuff because, yeah, 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 she didn't know any of that stuff to be able to teach me and be able to say, okay, these are these are the things. Um, then I, I think the biggest thing for me was to have to face my own domestic perpetrator. You finally feel you found um, someone you know who loves you, and and you're, you're with them. And you, well, well first let's, let's start with the uh, the Bonnie and Clyde situation where the only reason why I didn't do 10 years in prison was because I was uh, sick. I had morning sickness. I was pregnant. And I just was not in the mood. It was I was the normal person now to go in uh, to the crack houses and pick up the drugs and, and bring them back uh, on my own. And I didn't go that day because I was extremely nauseous and sick. That nauseous and sick was my daughter, and it saved my life because I, I didn't go to pick the drugs up. Uh, her dad ended up going instead, and they raided the drug house that day, but he just didn't want to wait 10 years in prison. Mm-hmm. Then I end up, mm-hmm. you know, move, moving on after that, Uh, uh and, and I end up now getting with somebody who was completely opposite, but I and felt like he loved me to death and until I had my child, that he started becoming extremely violent. Violent that he didn't want me to go anywhere, he didn't want me to pursue my career anymore, um, the music was just done. He didn't want me to do anything that had to do with music because he was jealous. He didn't have anything of his self going on. Then I had mm-hmm. to face, you go through ID my my best friend's body. Uh, her mother had already passed away. We were closest things to her. Uh, me and one of my cousins as sisters, and uh, we had to go in and ID her her body. Uh, and and I think even to this day now that that is one of. Um, the most horrific things I've ever had to uh, deal with and overcome. I don't think I ever will get over that. No, to be out no, partying with someone. Yeah, to, 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 to be out partying them. one month and then the next month you're I'd be in a body saying yeah, this is this is who this is and happen to, to bury them. I, I, you know, I still haven't been able to, uh, she was in a car accident November the 28th uh, and uh, she ended up dying December the 28th. So always during that time for me it's always a you know it's always a little a little sad, you know because you just have to relive uh those moments and you you' excited you thinking somebody coming home and then they they don't come home so you know it's it's really it, it's just it was just really devastating for me, and that's something that even as of right now, I haven't been able to fully get over because she was someone who was a close friend she understood everything that I, I went through. She was extremely supportive to me and all that I had going on. And, you know, to have someone that supports you and and, and just always has great things to say to you and, and and always just makes you feel good even when you go around them, and to lose that, you know, when it was so hard for you to get that, it is just devastating.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, are you
2: still in contact with your sibling? I am, actually. Have you, have
3: you um, closed that door? It, um, yeah, um, actually, uh, we, we all reunited um, uh, when I was 16. The boys finally got the final, and my dad, once my dad rescued me from the foster home, um, we were able to uh, connect with each other. We lived together for a while, and uh, now everybody pretty much is, uh, two of my sisters and one of my brothers are here in Atlanta, and then uh, my mom and my other uh, brother and sister are back in New Jersey. Okay. Now, as far as your father, have you mended your relationship with him? Um, You know, to be honest with you, we never had a bad uh, relationship. I, I never, and, and I think that's what stunned, I, I think, pretty much everybody, because I was actually my daddy's baby girl. Like, my dad uh loved me to death, you know, and is always my baby girl, my baby girl, and it wasn't until I wrote this book that, Everyone in the family kind of was like, wow, I never knew you felt like that, you know. So as far as him, we never had a bad relationship. He was always kind of, you know, in and out. He lives in, in New York now. Uh, he's kind of in and out of, you know, and, and not really being there, I, I would say, as, as a father figure. Uh, but well, I've always had a great relationship with him. Like, I I never, you know, just, and I just mean as far as the conversations, you know, respect standpoint. But far as the way I genuinely feel, um, I, I don't think he, he knows how much it affected me. I mean, my you other sister and you know brothers what, um, told him, you know, I was writing a book and stuff like that and they were constantly kind of like, why would you do this and that, whatever. And, you know, they said, you know, things like, why would you uh, tell it out? what happened mm-hmm. or bring it up or whatever. And I, you know, what do you think daddy is going to think? And then I had to say to them, you know, would the daddy get a hell when he was beating the crap out of mommy, and and we had to sit and listen and cover our ears and and be scared and and worry about how she looked the next day? I don't really care what he thinks. This is about um, me and about um, uh, me. At the same token, it was about my mother felt like her children hated her, so it was more for uh, me with my mom as well to so let her know that that I love her regardless, and um and I don't think um. It, in a sense of reviewing your entire life, if I would have been able to be as strong as you, you know. And, and you know, she's been through some things with her parents giving her up at a young age. And so she went through some things in her life that, you know, and and that made me understand all the rejection, you know, from her as a kid to her being in a foster home. She kind of relived those cycles, although she tried to be the best mom she could Uh, once she lost my dad and went into those phases and she met those people, her life kind of went down, but I think at that point she started kind of just giving up. You know, it was kind of like, this is too much. I've I've been through enough pain and rejection in my life, and I I think the way of her doing drugs was to kind of just shield that pain and and forget about that pain for a moment. And so, I I mean, I understand, and I I love her, and you know and and I respect her, and I've, I've never disrespected her, and you know, I I just love her for the person that she is.
2: Uh, How's she doing now?
3: Uh, she's uh, schizophrenic. Um, still now today, you know, uh, she's, she's you know she gets schizophrenic and she's no, she's not hospitalized. Uh, okay. you know, she goes through. She's she's a great person. You know, she goes through her moments, but you know, when you you have a head trauma that as severe as hers, you know, mm-hmm. those are things that you don't forget. You know, and so she goes through those moments where the only way she can protect Rest herself it. is to scream, is to scream out, you know. And, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I understand that. You know, whatever it is that she needs to be able to do it to get it off her chest, you know, then, you know, that's just what, you know, she, she has to do. Now, I just wanted her to know me. this was like a dedication to her. You know, that book was more speaking out for her, um, when she couldn't. It is a, it's
2: a, it's actually your expression to your entire life and everybody in it. And even if they don't understand why you did it, what happens is um, those type of uh, situations in your life could cause a repetition in, in your own life. So right. it's something that they need to understand. They're not alone in feeling the way they are feeling, but their siblings are feeling the same way, and you're all going through it in different ways. But we should blend together so that you can make each other strong. Because I have, I'll tell you, I have a family, uh, a group of family members who went through very similar things as what you went through. Their father Uh was very abusive to their mother and to the children. And now, to this day, the children are grown, but they all have a bit of that dysfunction in their own life. You know, from either being an abuser or being abused. Or some other things that happen. So if you don't talk about it, if you don't get help for it, it could just recycle itself in your
3: own life. And yeah, your it yeah, it can. Yeah, it definitely. am it, and I believe that. You know, for me, it was just more of a uh, to be able to. I, I was always told um, at a very young age that I, I was a great writer. I, I used to write a lot, write music, and um, with writing the song, we wish. Uh, which was dedicated to military troops and first responders is, yeah, is what got song. me, Yeah, which is what actually got me on for physical uh, Fox TV and Comcast. And, and cause they couldn't understand um, how a child who came from uh, a, such a dysfunctional family would be able to still have uh, enough in her to write a song that would give back to other people. And it was funny, I think the biggest time with me realizing how important my story was to tell to someone else is because when, when I went on the news and I'm thinking I'm going to be talking about, I was like, wow, they, they want me to come through and, and sing We Wish, uh, on national TV and I'm, I'm excited. And the first question when I got on the stage at Fox TV was, so, how did it feel to be in a foster home? <laughs> huh? So it had nothing to do. So what I realized after uh the news was it wasn't about the song that I wrote, although they liked it and they thought that it was um, a definitely a great song to support the troops while they were, you know, in Iraq. The biggest thing was how were you able to cope with your life with going through so much that you would have enough in you left after all that we've heard to be able to write a song and give back to someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: and it's funny, I I say all, I tell people all the time, um, when I was in the eighth grade, I received an award. It's, it's funny. Um, I received an award for Most Sunniest Disposition. And I, I said, wow, eighth grade, Most Sunniest Disposition, an award that was made up. It, it didn't ex- exist. And I, I said, wow, come to find out, Um, they make this award up, and and I had to analyze and go back and say, why would I receive an award for most Sonia's disposition when at this time I was put into a foster home, when at this time I was so depressed? Well, the reason was, again, I didn't want my foster parents to ever have to come to school for me for anything, so therefore I always kept a smile on my face. And that smile on my face, was actual to, to disguise all the pain and the hurt I was feeling inside because of everything I had went through. And so what I would do is whenever I went to school, I was extra nice, I was extra good, whatever it is, so that my foster mother would never have to come to school so no one would ever have to see her. I did it. So I, wow. I, I would just say that, you know, when, when, when you're going through whatever it is that you're going through, I I just made it, a, you know, a a path for myself to not allow something. It was easy for me to cover that up and not show it. And I guess all those years of bottling up (laughs) because I'm (laughs) strong enough, you know, when now I'm able to uh, pledge strength, wisdom, knowledge, empowerment, and encouragement as uh, the audience pledged three words to me, I'm strong enough.
2: Absolutely, and that's the best way to let it out. For people who are out there and they're trying to find a way to to, to let loose some of that pain, the best thing you can do is to to write it out, put it out on a yeah. paper. It's almost like you're just letting it release from your body and your soul. And that's just something people ought to consider doing on a regular basis because, you know, we've, we've been going through a lot of stuff as women, yeah. as African Americans, as people in this Lower, I don't even know what level we're on anymore. When they say middle class, lower class, like everything is a class now, but I'm like the classes keep getting added. You know, yeah. like you have triple lower middle class or, you know, what we yeah. don't know what we are anymore because our, our financial makeup is just so bad right now. And right. whoever could have been making a million last year probably is down to unemployment now. You know, right. it's just crazy. So everybody's going to go through something right now, and they need to talk about it, and put it in a book. When you're yeah. waiting on that job, that next job, think of writing a book. You can make money from that
3: book. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you can. You you just have to again, you have to stay grounded and focused, and and know that you can do it. You know, I I think the biggest thing for me was, um, after writing the book, I had to now re go back in and and write it in the form of a movie because and and that's why if I cried, you cried. Um, If I was feeling whatever type of way I was feeling um, at that moment, I had to go back in and relive it. So, believe it or not, um, when I wrote Chapter 4, that took so much out of me that I had to put it down for a week before going Mm -hmm. back. And that's the abandonment. Chapter 4, the abandonment took so much out of me that I, I I didn't want to think because now it's more than just. Is now you say movie deal, uh, you start getting those. You know, hey, I think this can be a, a physical movie, and so. But I needed to be written in a form of uh, more visual. So now all those wounds that you closed up and and you hid from everybody, you have to relive every one of those moments all over again.
0: Mm.
3: And I think that was the most painful for me. But when it's all said and done, I I can go back. I I can say, whomever, whether it's my family members, whomever it is, now you understand. People that didn't look at it the way I did, now you understand exactly what I was going through. Now you understand every feeling that I felt. You know, because the reality of it is is my brothers can't feel the same way. I feel because they weren't in the foster home. They were never in foster homes. So they're going to look right. at things, and they're going to feel completely different than I anyway. We're not going to feel the same way about anything. We're not going to see eye to eye. Although you had some rough times, you didn't have to go. You're still with Dad. You didn't have to go, and you didn't have to live in a house with complete strangers.
0: That's
2: right. Now, when, you, when you're working with the young children that are um, a part of your organization, are you working directly with them? Are you um, doing any type of counseling seminars or anything like that with them?
3: You know, I'll I'll tell you. um, One of um, the homes that took a a major interest to me is Gwinnett Children's Shelter. Um, Because they house children from the age of 12 to 17, um, so with with that organization, it sits a a little bit different to my heart because that's the age that I physically went into uh, the foster home. I am looking for uh, more organizations. I go back home. Um, I was just back home. I, I donated to a, a family with the proceeds of the book back in New Jersey. Um, I, I was born and raised in North New Jersey, so um, I, I go back there a lot. My, my pastor, uh, Reverend Ron Christian in Irvington, uh, New Jersey, I, I go back a lot and do, do things within, you know, the community or uh, with them and, and tell my story. And, you know, it, 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 for, for me with them, it, it's different because that's home, you know and whatever it is i, I just sent the, uh, a family um to camp this summer uh with the proceeds from um the book sales
2: wow that is yeah. really wonderful wow so what we do, do is twenty five percent. Mhm do you have plans to do like add any additional programs to the organization
3: um right now i'm focusing on um uh foster children and and uh and and victims of uh Domestic violence. But I am, I, I am looking into, uh, uh some other things. I'm, I'm actually looking into, uh, uh, some things to do with Down syndrome. Uh, my nephew, uh, he has Down syndrome and, and now that he's getting older, uh, it's still really rough, uh, for my sister. I didn't realize how rough it is to, um, to deal with, you know, children that, that has Down syndrome and, how you know much behind they are than an average child? Sometimes you have children, and you take them for granted. You know, you you take mm-hmm. that they came out healthy for granted, not realizing that there's someone else. Um, who's having a much rougher time. Same child, same experience with the pregnancy, but then the child comes out and it's much rougher for them and the experiences that they have, you know, have to go through. So um, I'm definitely looking uh, into doing some things as far as a Down syndrome um, standpoint, and and I would say more as just a a program that will kind of give parents a, a break and actually being able to have nurses on staff that could physically monitor, even specialize in Down syndrome children. Wow. Now,
2: one of the reasons why I ask you that is um, we are currently um, organizing a, a step competition uh, that's actually going to have the semifinals in Atlanta in December. Um, the purpose okay. for us to have this competition is because we're going to be asking for uh, sponsors, and we're going to be asking for vendors to come out and um, people to come out. We're also going to have the event on live stream. We're expecting major artists and celebrities to attend and perform and present and judge. And we're trying to raise funds to provide funding for college scholarships for children or students who want to go to uh, HBCUs. But we also want to help people create programs for youth empowerment. You know, when when mm. the reason you can't go to college is because you have a, a, you know, domestic issue at home or parents are on drugs or, you know, you, you're not focused on your education as much as you should be. It will keep you from going to be serious about going to college. And we want right. to actually address those type of issues ahead of time instead of waiting until a child is college age. Because it's right. great that long, they've already started a whole family, might have about five or six kids on their own, and, yeah. and everything is just straight dysfunction. So we want to go into the households, um, and just counsel people and provide programs. But we find that a lot of the principles that, that students learn from stepping are things they can use in the everyday life, like respecting one another, team leadership, team building. Right. You know, um, organization, discipline, a lot of those things are missing from the lives of our children. So when I ask you a question like that, I want you to consider uh, adding, you know, certain programs like that to work with those children, especially in foster care who might want to go to college, you know, and want have an opportunity to learn something and to learn things in their life that will help them get to
3: college. So. If, right. But you know, well, well, we well what we time. do is far we as far as that be great. Right. As far as what we do far as the foster children are concerned, we take well I am going to say I cuz the board members um pretty much you know um knows my passion as far as the foster children are concerned. We take every aspect of their life. Um one of the, the main things again like, like I talked to you about earlier is college because mm-hmm. no one instills the need to physically go to to go to college. So that is definitely right. one of the things um, that we will um, assist, assist with as far as, you know, colleges that they want to attend, being able to tell them the importance of getting a degree. Um, we definitely will instill um, a college to all children. As far as incorporating the steps, I, I never thought about that, in, in incorporating any type of step to it. Um, because the age of this the group that I told you about that I deal with is twelve to seventeen, so with it, which is this is the perfect time to you know to be able to discuss to them uh, colleges and considering colleges and careers and uh, what's great about my situation is they can look at me and say and say she was once me, she was once in my shoes, she understands what I'm going through now and um and she did it, and that's the biggest thing and I, and I think for me for the uh you know for for them to be able to see different people with me and ar- around me, as, as far as the ce- celebrities that they physically know and look up to, it makes it that much easier for me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I, and I think that's the you know one of you know the biggest things. You know, I do have the booking agency, so with with that being the case, I'm able to now, you, you know, be able to utilize some of the relationships that I have to be able to have people attend certain uh, things on behalf of, you know, the organization. Right now um, we're working on a toy drive um, for the, for Christmas. That's kind of where, you know, my energy and time is, is, has been at this point um, as far as the December month, um, you know, comes. Uh, I've had a few people reach out for me to do some things back up north, but I just don't know if I'll have time to, to do it all, you know, because I, I am uh, working on a movie for the book, um, we're, you know, currently doing a script on that and, and, and so, it's, it's, you know, we're doing that and then doing the, the toy drive and, uh, you know, other things. I just don't like to commit to too many that I can't follow through with. Uh, but if, if, if I am in town and, you know, when you all come down, I, I would definitely, uh, love you to keep me informed with everything that's going on and, and however I could be of assistance, you know, I, I, I would love to.
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely keeping, um, aware of all that because I'll put you on my, my little, uh, my mail list for the newsletter because we're going to send that out shortly. Our actual, uh, competition for the National College Step-In starts, um, this, actually the end of this week. <laughs> but, um, wow. it's something that we, we have been considering for a long time and, you know, we see a lot of Christian and youth stepping programs out there. That are working for kids to, to change their lives around. Now you, uh, I saw your website and you had a, a lot of pictures with a lot of a music artists. Now, are you working on any music projects with any any artists right now? Or are you doing something by yourself?
3: Um, um, I'll tell you. Well, I I manage and, and book for Party Boys, um, uh, which is which is a you know hit them with the flex um, artist uh, from Houston, and, and then I, I I book for OMG Girls, which is. Um, a T.I. and Tiny's, uh, and, T-shirt Baby, uh, Major P right. Productions Group. Um and, and so then, then there's the rapper Diamond, and I, I, book for her, I book for Darrell. And, and so there's a lot of artists out there I have great relationships with because I, I do have a, a booking agency. So there's a lot of artists that, you know, I kind of can get my hands on as far as, um, you know, bringing their monies and booking them for certain shows and, you know, so I'm able to meet up with them and, and be able to you know, take pictures as well as me. You know, uh, being an uh, being an artist, and you know that's not something that I'm pushing on right now. With again, because m- my main focus is a movie at this point, and of mm-hmm. course there'll be music with the movie, We're getting the soundtrack um, and things like that done. Uh, so that's kind of where where I am far as a, a music standpoint is more um, on the the executive side of things.
2: Okay. So now, um, when do you expect to have your movie out there?
3: Um uh, well right now we're just in the early stages of getting the script, um and the actors and actresses together for it. Um and I, I look to have it out um in the film fest by, you know, uh, next year.
2: Wow. I look forward to that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Um yeah, we're we're actually um uh really trying to offer independent movies and filmmakers opportunities to get screenings in our area. So when you're when you're ready, if you're looking to do a screening, you know, just look me up. I'll get you one in Philadelphia. We have a, a huge film uh, community out here and um, nice. I'm sure that they'll appreciate your story. So, you know, I look forward to being able to assist you with that. Oh, that's great. Now, what other plans do you have for yourself other than the movie and, you know, working on your business? What else do you think you're going to be um, trying to
3: do because <laughs> you uh, into a lot of things. What are you going to yeah, about? I am. Um, well, uh, book two. You know, I'll, I'll be. Um, I, I have a, actually a couple more books in me. Um, you know, I'm I'm sitting and and thinking about uh, titles now, and, uh, you know, there there's a a couple more stories. I you know I stopped there, but there's so much more to tell and, um, so many more stories to go. Um, under the publishing a company that, you know, I'm looking to do that. And, uh, and probably just from a, a musical standpoint, um, I, I am out observing, you know, artists and, and just helping with artists. Uh, where that stands as of right now, I, I don't like to take on too much, um, that I can handle, um, but I, I am going to be doing some, uh, executive, uh, things from a, a music standpoint. So,
2: wow. Well, I'm so proud of you. I hope people are telling appreciate you that. Them. I hope you hear that from your loved ones because we don't really acknowledge our, our loved ones and their achievements as much as we should because, uh, a lot of people will probably appreciate it more and want to do more. If you see other people in the family appreciating it. So now right. with your family asking those questions of you about your book, do they, have they come to like an understanding now? You know, wow. of, of where you, you, are you know this, what?
3: I, I think the biggest thing with my family and the book with everyone was afraid of me uh, sharing their dirty laundry, and they didn't realize that it wasn't about their dirty laundry, it was about my own. And um, with everyone physically reading the book now, they loved it. My, my family loved the book. They they asked questions. They were like, oh, my gosh, the book was so good. They finished it within two days. They called it. At, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. Because you got to realize a lot of those things that I share in the book, I never even share with family. So my family didn't know I was pregnant at 16. I was in a foster home, you know, just coming out at that time. So there was a lot of different things that I physically went through, um, as far as sharing uh, when I, you know, lost my virginity and 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 you know when I was selling drugs and all of these things that I wrote in the book, I never shared with anyone. They they never knew uh, what I was going through. Hmm. So to hear, you know, everyone was so afraid of what part of my life is she going to tell that they didn't realize that it wasn't about them, it was about me. And once they realized wow. that even down to my dad, you read the book, although he he did things, um, you know, to my mom that, that I didn't agree with, at the end of the day it was still more of her story than mine. So I shared things that he did that affected me as a person, but I didn't go to the extent to um, damage his character.
2: Wow. Well, I mean, it was, I, I read the book, I didn't get all the way through, I think I was at chapter six. And I I didn't see that you were con- condemning him as much. I, I saw that you were just stating what you saw, basically.
3: Right. And how, you and how it affected it was me.
2: From your eyes, from your eyes, you know. Right. So, and that was great because some people could have probably made it look like he was some kind of demon or something, you know. But I'm right. sure that he probably had his own issues that were going on as well, and a lot of men don't know how to express themselves, and some of them could have been through a lot of domestic violence when they were growing up, and they just exactly. thought that's the way to solve those problems is to hit somebody. So exactly. know, everybody needs to
3: get counseling at
2: some point, of time when they have a situation like that. So right, you know, wow,
3: and that's how I that's wow. that's how I feel. I wasn't trying to. Damage anyone's character, I I was just trying to let everyone know whatever actions um, as adults that they took in their life and what it did to affect mine.
2: Now, as far as your life is right now, do you think you've come to some type of, um, say, calm in your life where, you know, even though you have those memories, do you have a calm in your present-day life that helps you, you know, put aside the pain from those memories?
3: oh i do i i, I mean i'm um, I just got engaged you know i I have a wonderful fiance that loves the ground um I walk on you know um that's very attentive, extremely affectionate um was raised by his mother, and the morals of 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 how they were raised were completely different from how we were raised so um it's just a a, a violation to them to raise your hand to a woman, and you know these are just things that you know just Proper uh, ways for a man to be raised. His his mother taught him so much mannerism and 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 how to treat a woman and to open a door and all the things that we're not used to. You know, it, it was so funny that when we first started dating, you know, I you know I, I was like, he's opening the door for me, and it was kind of like, you don't have to do that. And he still just ignored me and he continued to do it because that's the way he was raised. You know, and we just. You know, when you are coming up in the hood, nobody opening the door, you you know, oh. you been open the door just for him. Sure. You know what I mean? Everybody opening no door for you. So you know, to go through those you know those phases and then be able to find someone who just um, loves you unconditionally um, for your story, loves you unconditionally for the person that you are, um, and, and doesn't care about your past. And you know, all those things are are important. You know, and and I, I mean, I'm I'm blessed. You know, I'm I'm truly I'm truly yes, blessed. Yes, you are. Yes, you
2: are. You're definitely, but we're blessed to have you open yourself like that to share the story because it helps a lot of people, and I'm sure you know this, you're aware of this, but it helps a lot of people to know that they're not alone in dealing with these types of issues and that there is a chance for them to, you know, go into a better lifestyle for themselves by just making that effort on their own to get there, you know, and educating themselves. So I want to thank you so much for um, coming to my show and...
3: Oh, I appreciate you having me.
2: That is just, I hope to have you on again when you have more time, especially when you're working on your movie, so we can talk more about that.
3: And, Definitely. Uh, and I have some great uh, actors and actresses also.
2: Good. And they can come along. And then I also would love to have you on to bring in some of the women um, in your organization so we can talk to them as well, because we love to know how they feel about you helping them and coming up with that program. Thanks. Okay.
3: Nice. nice. Definitely. Well,
2: it's been such a pleasure. Um, we have about a couple of minutes left. I was going to play a song. Um, I wish I had some of your music. That song that you um, that you have on your website. That the first song that we hear, as a beautiful song that you sang to the soldiers. And I wish I had it. I would play it. But uh, if you could send that to me another time, I'll add it to my playlist. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and put on a song of an. Uh, one of my favorite people, um let me see if I can find open and get rid of it. <laughs> um man, I can uh, I have a uh an artist that um I'm, I'm working with a uh a friend of mine to support. His name is Bon Sway. He's I think he is not he's been in Atlanta, so you may hear about him out there but um, oh, really? for everybody who Yeah if for everybody who doesn't know about Von Sway, I'm going to play his song. I promised that I would do this, but um, just so you know that I appreciate you as a woman, as a black woman, as a businesswoman, as a uh, entrepreneur, and a, a loving soul, I want to offer my blessings to you as well, and I will stay in touch with you so that we can continue on supporting. The people that went through these types of issues, and nobody ever has to go through that anymore so thank, thank you. you so I appreciate
3: much. that thank you thank no you problem so Thanks for having
1: me. All right. yeah. you
2: You got dollars of this, Rock, Travis, and I rock Prada. Uh, Baby, I got game, I guess I'm a starter. 440 changing lanes like Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, call me AT&T, I reach out and touch ya. Uh, uh, I put on you yellow like he was mustard. My bell blingin' and uh, you straight ooh, listenin'. Uh, 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 you ain't listening, uh, 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 rack up uh, what we gettin' in. So much to say? Uh, gonna say it. Girl, you got me shook, why?